Welcome to the Diversity at Work podcast, where we unpack what it's really going to take to close the gender gap in the workplace. Here is your host, leadership coach and diversity consultant, Andrea Jansen. This episode is sponsored by Duckish Natural Skincare. I am super excited that they have jumped on board to sponsor the show because I actually know Carolyn Crew, the founder, personally. A couple of years ago, before there was a Reignite Your Ambition coaching program, before there was a workshop, before there was an ambitious everyday journal, I had an idea for an exercise to help people get clear on what drives their ambition so that they could set goals, feel fulfilled, and have something to strive for. So before I could do that, I actually had a group of entrepreneurs that I knew and I asked them if I could test the exercise on them. So I asked Carolyn, what is the something that you're striving for? What drives your ambition? What motivates you to get up every day and go to work? And she said 2%. And I didn't really expect an answer like that. And I asked her to explain. And she said that only 2% of women entrepreneurs actually reach a million dollars in annual revenue in their businesses. And that is what motivated her to start Duckish Natural Skincare. They have lotion sticks, lip balm, baby products, and bath products. They're really innovative. And my favorite product is their lotion stick. It looks like deodorant, but it's actually lotion. So you just rub it on your legs, you rub it on your arms, your hands, your face. You can even use it as a lip balm. And I love it because it's solid. And when I travel, I can keep it in my carry-on and I don't need to worry about having too much liquid to get through security. And for all of the Diversity at Work listeners, Duckish is offering you 15% off of your order. So you need to head to duckish.ca, that is D-U-C-K-I-S-H, .ca and enter the promo code diversity at work at checkout and you will get 15% off of your order. The way I see it is that if you need to buy lotion anyways, might as well buy it from a women-owned business so that you can do your part to close the gender gap. They ship to the US and Canada, so head to duckish.ca and enter the promo code diversity at work and you will get 15% off. Hi, it's Andrea Jansen here, and on today's episode of the Diversity at Work podcast, I am interviewing Danielle Civitillo. I met her a couple weeks ago at the Autodesk University Conference. She was talking about diversity and inclusion, and she is a corporate design technology specialist, and she works in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry, which is very male dominated. And the thing I love about Danielle is she is very curious but she's also someone that makes things happen. So we're talking about the diversity and inclusion initiative that she started at her company. And the cool thing about Danielle is that I can see that she's doing some really awesome work and she's gonna share it with you today. So let's dive into the interview. Hi Danielle, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Can you introduce yourself and tell everybody what you do? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be doing this. Um, yeah, so I, uh, my name is Danielle Civitello. I work at VHB, which is a multidiscipline uh, private engineering firm on the East Coast of the US. And I am, um, my paid position is corporate design technology specialist, where I manage the design technology for our 1700 employees. Um, it's primarily civil 3D and microstation. So the things that we use to 
draft up the plans that the construction folks will uh, use when they are building roads and bridges and all that fun stuff. So I, I support all of our engineers. Cool. And you're where you do the work, where you do the building, that's the, all, all across the East Coast of the U.S.? Or? Uh, yeah. So we, yep. Um, our headquarters where I currently am is in uh, near Boston, Massachusetts. And we have offices that go all the way up to Maine and down through uh, Florida. Okay, awesome. So it's a big organization. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty big, yeah. Awesome. And you're also in charge of your employee resource group focused on diversity. I am. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So there's... Um, there's four of us that co-lead it. Um, I'm one of the co-founders, and the two other folks that co-founded it with me are uh, I gotta I gotta shout them out because uh, they are my rocks here. So that would be the um, the very brilliant uh, Carly Pristak and uh, equally brilliant Amber Johnson. So the three of us started uh, VHB Ideal, which stands for Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity Alliance. Uh, also, just a play, play on words, it's because it's kind of like an ideal, uh, you know, culture or whatever that we're going for. Um, but yeah, so we started the employee resource group. Uh, you know, neither of us actually knew each other before this, and it was through our desire to start something like this that we all met. We were approaching different people within the company, and they all kind of brought us together and said, oh, you should meet so-and-so, because they're also um, thinking of doing this. Um, so the group is right now it's um it's focused on diversity inclusion as like an umbrella term uh and it's not you know sometimes ERGs or employee resource groups are focused kind of laser focused on one affinity group so maybe there's an LGBT one or there's um a black ERG um you know Asian American something like that so we decided to do kind of a just all-encompassing diversity and inclusion one because we weren't really sure what the response was going to be at our company and, and if we were going to have, uh, quite frankly, if we had the numbers to really start splitting them out and doing smaller groups. So we figured, well, if we put all of our resources into one and focus on these different areas uh, throughout the group, um, then we could probably go a little bit further. So of course- I love that because you started with the idea of inclusiveness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, you know, we certainly didn't want, you know, any one group to, if we had split it out, we didn't want to run into the situation where one group was not thriving as much because it didn't have the numbers to support it, you know, because quite frankly, our organization, like many others in the AEC, um, that's architecture, engineering, oh. construction industry, um, they are not super diverse, uh, especially racially. So, you know, could we do a black affinity group? and I don't know. I don't know if we have really have like the amount of folks across VHB where we could have done one up and down the East Coast. Cool. So you started with this like super inclusive idea and we met at the Autodesk University Conference. And one thing that I love about you is your curiosity, your ability to look at numbers and really try to figure out this the right way and do the right thing so that everybody can thrive. And it's really about everybody. It's about the whole feeling belonging, feeling included. And I just think that's so refreshing. And it's kind of taking away from like that victim mentality, like we are the minority. It's like, let's celebrate diversity and amplify and make it about everybody and making it about a belonging. So I thought that was really refreshing, this approach that 
you had and your attitude of being really curious. So I'm wondering, before this started happening, before you decided to take this on, what was happening for you professionally? Oh, that's uh, such an interesting question for me. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's much of a surprise in the engineering field that as a woman, um, you know, as a cisgendered woman, I was always and are typically one of the only ones on my team um, and typically one of the only ones in a meeting, like if we were offsite at a client or something. Um, I remember one time being in a group where there was like 35 people. This is a thing I do now, by the way. I just count the people in the room and then I count how many women there are, how many people of color there are. Um, so anyway, uh, some might call that obsessive, but whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I remember being in a meeting one time, it's like five or six years ago, and there was like 35, 40 people in the room and there was like maybe two or three women. And I was like, this is outrageous, right? So, but that was, a lot of times that's the norm and it still is. Um, and as I'm, I'm also a gay woman, so I'm almost always the only out LGBT person on my team, or I have always been as far as I know. Um, so, you know, that's like in my professional world, that's how like diversity and inclusion kind of started to crop up for me is like, why is this, why is this like this? And, and um, you know, and I had an, I did an interview with a friend of mine who's um, developing an app. Uh, I should probably put you in touch with her at some point, but um uh, it's around the app is around diversity and inclusion as well, but she interviewed me for it, and I started to realize that like my personal experiences though didn't quite mirror that of like many other women in the industry. Um, you know, I think I've been very fortunate to work on teams that trust me, um, and that I don't really necessarily feel like they they stifled my career growth or opportunities or things like that um, as a woman. Or and I've and I've been out, um, you know almost as long as I've been a professional engineer. So um, I, I, I really believe that's fortunate because I don't think that that is the norm, especially based on a lot of the responses that I got in the survey that I know we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, I think like just in general, it's, it's not atypical for me to have to like prove myself when I'm around external clients though. So internally I've been fortunate for the way that people treat me, but you know, like I was on a construction site one time um, for a project that I had designed. And I remember the guy was like, are you even old enough to be an engineer? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm also a professional engineer. So, <laughs> you know, um, it's that kind of stuff where you, you just constantly have to improve yourself that can get kind of exhausting. So what made you want to step up and what made people, you know, kind of find these people, get people talking about starting something at your company? Um, so, this started two years ago, uh, almost three years now. It was March of 2017. And that, you know, actually that same friend of mine I was talking about, she was like appalled when we found, she found out that we didn't get um, Martin Luther King Day off. Uh, and then she, what was the other one? Oh, I think around, and then around that same time, uh, so March was uh, International Women's Day, right? I think that's what, it, yeah. Uh, and then Women's History Month. And I was starting to realize that, you know, all these organizations were at least drawing attention to these things. Uh, and they were talking about it somehow and trying to relate it to their work or whatever. And I'm like, why isn't VHB saying anything? Like, we have women. We have women, we have women at VHB. Like, we can, we can talk about um, 
International Women's Day. And like, that would be just like an email. You're just like, oh, I just wanted an email blast to yeah. everybody or like, you know, a thing on the company calendar. Oh, it's International Women's Day. Like, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of acknowledgement or like, you know, um, even going one step further and like just tweeting something about it, you know, um, a lot of organizations will do that. So, yeah, I was like, oh man. So th that same friend again, she goes, well, what does your ERG think about this? And I'm like, what, my what? <laughs> I had never heard of an employee resource group before. And so, so I went from not even knowing what it was to, uh, to starting one. Um, so I, luckily I had a, a wonderful relationship at the time with uh, the head of HR here at VHB. And uh, I think our relationship has even grown since then through all of this. But, you know, I went up to her and I was like, Carrie, we got to do something about this. And she's like, great, we do. And you're going to do it. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so, so that's how it happened. You know, she, they, they, they supported me, they meaning corporate, right? I had the support from day one, but they wanted it to be an employee led movement. And so that's how this all kind of happened. Okay, so you kind of got the spotlight shone on you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> to step up and do something really awesome. And you said you didn't even really know what an employee resource group was. And then you were selected to be the leader. What kind of work did you have to do on yourself to just be prepared to step up and take that on? Oh, boy. Um, so I... I had to do a lot of unlearning, I guess. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot that we learn that, or that we are, you know, not necessarily directly, but kind of indirectly in the way that our societies are are built and whatnot. Um, and so I had to do a lot of unlearning and, and then relearning. So, um, so my personal growth on this, uh, there's a lot to this. So tell me what you had to unlearn. <laughs> Well, um, well, first of all, I, I have a huge character flaw in that I, I think my way is the, is the best way. So, um, and I think many of us do, right? But I think that's not super helpful when you're trying to be inclusive of other people's opinions and perspectives. And so, um, you know, understanding more that there are different ways to approach things and that there isn't just one way, you know? Um, so that's one thing that I've had to work on. And I'm sure it's interesting that you say you had to work on that because I see the, like, I've only known you for less than a month and I see the complete opposite. I see like someone that's curious, someone that's open, someone that likes to hear other people's opinions. So it goes to show that you already kind of done the work on yourself. Well, I'm, I'm glad you say that. I'm sure there's going to be folks listening to this who are cracking up when they hear you say that. Cause uh, I, I can be very, um, picky in the way, in the way I want things done sometimes. So, um, you're also an engineer too, right? Yeah. So, so it's great for my job. You know, it's wonderful for my professional career, but maybe not so much in my social career, social life. Um, but yeah, so that was like one of the things and, and honestly, like if, if I can get like a, a kind of on a tougher, you know, subject is, um, one of the things that I think you have to unlearn or, or learn or whatever, especially as a white person is uh, like to become more aware of my race. Like we, there's this idea when you are the dominant of anything. So whether it's um, race, whether it's gender, sexuality, that there's like a normalcy, right? I'm so like, I don't have race because I am white. 
that you know so so like starting to realize though that like that is a race and that um that i have certain privileges that come with that and then also um i wanted to touch on this because i think it would be disingenuine for me not to um this next piece here i my i don't bring this up a lot because i'm i not and not because i'm ashamed of it by any reason um but mostly because i don't want people to make assumptions about why i'm doing what i'm doing or um think of this what i'm about to say and be like oh she's pulling the i have black friends card um but my partner is is black and i've been with her for six years and she's wonderful and i love her and however you know at the beginning of our relationship i had to unlearn a lot of things around what what it means to be um racist because we're taught that like when you're racist it means you are um like automatically like racist equals white supremacist or that you're like maliciously doing these things but i think everyone is and has the capacity to be racist because of the society that we are have been you know brought into and the and the fact that our society is built on racism and so um in order for my relationship to be successful i had to very quickly like kind of get over myself and that you know we hear the term white fragility and realize that like there are going to be things that i say and do that are that are hurtful um and it doesn't necessarily make me a bad person and when i get called out on it i'm gonna have to like take a step back and and really listen and not say like well that's impossible there's no way it could have hurt you or whatever you know so so that was like that growth and that journey um that i kind of went on and and i so think that, that is the curiosity that i see in you yeah when when you say like okay when someone calls me out on something i have to stop for a minute and i have to think about it that's what i love that's kind of when i say like i with my first impression of you was you're really curious you're really open to learning it's behaviors like that 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 i noticed right away when we first met yeah i mean my my relationship wouldn't have survived if i wasn't you know i, I and and i want to make it abundantly clear uh <laughs> that i'm not saying that the everyone needs to go out and like buddy up with a person of color if you're white and that that's going to be your your key to to personal growth i'm just saying in my personal experience that was like the catalyst for me because um I, you know i also started experiencing the world differently i mean when you are uh when you are white you experience the world one way and when you're a person of color you experience it you know myriad different ways and and i think when as a white person you start to experience the world through a person of color's perspective it it changes a lot of things for you it changed a lot of things for me as well um so that was that was my catalyst um but i uh, but i just want to make it clear that it's i never once expected her to teach me anything um i didn't use this relationship as like uh a means for learning i did all of that on my own like you said out of that curiosity um and for that desire to just to be a better person okay so you had to do all this unlearning and then then now you're thrown into this professional situation where it's about celebrating diversity and you're the one to take this on so let's talk about the roadblocks because i cannot i can only imagine that you faced lots of them 
Um, yeah, I mean, so I expected it to be, I expected like when we um, launched this at VHB, I expected like people to be pissed. <laughs> I oh, really? really? Did. I did. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but I was expecting backlash. Not a ton. I want to make it clear. I don't think like VHB has a terrible culture and this and that. I just think that like, you know, I think a lot of these topics have been over-politicized um, and in the current climate that we were that we're in you know as a i'm, I'm speaking you know I, i'm this podcast is i'm sure is going to reach more than just the u.s but my frame of reference is the u.s and and our our climate is extremely politicized right now and so you know here i am launching this diversity and inclusion thing where people are tired of hearing about diversity and inclusion already even though they have done nothing about it you know so i'm like i don't know what's going to happen right but um the roadblock i mean it was there was not an initial roadblock like that you know so you anticipated that there'd be backlash I, I and did. then it just and there launched wasn't. and it, <laughs> it launched there and yep. people were okay like this is this seems this is okay like i'm on board with this yeah you know it was it was it was a good launch um it got some good momentum but um but to answer your question though about roadblocks you know um for me it's rate of progress is my 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 problem uh, my roadblock? I expect things to happen much faster than they do. Um, I think I think Andrea, you put this into perspective for me at um, Autodesk University. You were like, "But look at all these amazing things you've done, and this and that." And I'm I'm just like very hard on myself, and I want things to be, I I I want there to be measurable change and I want it to be faster you know I get really annoyed when it takes a long time as they say to steer the ship and um you know I think I'd much rather be on a dinghy that I can just turn quickly and and <laughs> steer it in a new direction you know so for me um rate of progress uh has been in my for my personal um desires it's been slower than I want, but I recognize that it had, there has been progress at least, you know, throughout the last 18 months. Um, and then I would say there was one, there was one situation that we had where, um, we did, we put out flags for pride, which was amazing. It's, we've never done anything like this before. We put out the rainbow flags for pride month in June. And the way we did it was we, we had, we had one, at least in every office, but then we shipped packages of like small flags to all the offices. So there's like 30 of us, uh, 30 offices up and down the East Coast. And we kind of, we put it out there with a, a little message that said, you know, if, if you want to take one and put it at, at your desk, um, we would love to, to have you do that and like show support. And, um, you know, I had, I had told a story about how um, seeing like the flags when I, I think when I was in college, seeing that people would have like little rainbow stickers on their doors and like the professors or whatever. And it would be kind of like a signal to me that I knew I could talk to that person about who I was and, and it wouldn't be an issue. So that was kind of like the, the message with those flags. And we had some folks that felt like we were putting them in an awkward position where they had to choose a side because if they didn't take a flag, it was going to make it look like they were um, homophobic or something. And so I think, you know, we had a lessons learned from that situation where I think people are open to uh, awareness and education, but not putting anyone in a position where they feel like they need to take sides, you know. And so, unfortunately, you know, talking about things being politicized, I think like LGBT rights and whatnot has been politicized so that 
I think that played a factor in why people felt the way they did after that. So, you know, and it's funny, I see this as such a big opportunity. I know you're kind of like being hard on yourself and you like to have immediate results, but I see this as just a way to like have a conversation about bias and that it's not black and white. Like the way forward is not clear. Cause if it was like, we would be implementing it. True. And True. it's just like this opportunity to just explore those feelings. And some people are feeling like, wow, do I have to pick a side? It's like, well, just explore that feeling that you're having right now. And that right. is something that probably would not have happened if you didn't do this initiative. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, you know, going back to like my journey of learning and growth and whatnot, it's taken me until now. And so we're talking six months later for me to finally start to see their side and why they felt like they may have, you know, my, why they may have felt a certain way about us or perceiving that we were asking them to take a side, you know, as, as, like I said, as a gay woman, I kind of, <laughs> when people said they had a problem with it, I, I just immediately was like, went into defense mode. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. you know what? <laughs> like I get one month out of the year, you know, <laughs> like there's 11 other months out of the year where, you know, people are having to hide who they are. There's not everyone. Most people aren't out. You know, I'm, I'm one of very few that are out in, in our, um, in our industry, or at least in my company. So, you know, I, I got defensive when that happened. Yeah. Sure. But I'm starting to understand it now. Cool. So let's, I'm all about positivity. So let's focus <laughs> on the positive side of this. Cause I know you told me a story at Autodesk university about that initiative, getting someone to come work for you at your company versus another company. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yes, let's, let's, absolutely talk about the positive in this is that um, I shipped out a thousand flags. There's, there was, at the time there was about 1500 employees. I shipped out a thousand flags. Let's just pause for a sec. A thousand people signed up for this thing. Well, that's pretty awesome. Well, that's, it's not who signed up. It's actually, we made an assumption about how many pe people would actually, we just said, well, we're just going to order a thousand. And when they're done, they're done. And what happened was we actually got phone calls from people saying we ran out of flags. Ah! So, so it was, it was amazing. It was, it, it was amazing. And, and I felt, I felt bad. I was like, uh, I don't have any more. Like we shipped, we just kind of did a ratio thing, right? You know, yeah. we said, okay, you know, we, we ordered um, enough flags for 75% of the company. So we'll do 75% of each office for the most part. Um, so yeah, offices ran out of flags. And so the, so the, so the reaction was, overwhelmingly positive um you know it was just there was a few people that that raised mm -hmm. concerns about it and so um but it's all that take all it takes is one when especially when it's something that's so close to you right totally. but anyway back to your question um yeah so we had so what sort of was we, so we were overall, like, oh, this i think this is a positive initiative absolutely. absolutely absolutely and the thing is it's easy to go into like defensive mode like scarcity mentality like attack you versus me not all of us sure. together and that's just our default as human beings so that person that was like you're putting me in this weird position where i have to pick a side they were all automatically going to scarcity mentality going into defense mode and that kind of brought you into defense mode and then it becomes the you versus me approach which is not positive but then if you as you're telling me all these people like you ordered a thousand and there wasn't enough right if you think about like that far outweighs like you're getting all of these people into that positive into that inclusive mindset and there's a few people that it's like human nature to be defensive and you it brought that up and 
you took action. You took a risk. Yeah. There, yeah. Bad things can always happen. A few bad things happen, but I don't know when I look at it, I think it, I get excited about stuff like this. It, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, and I will say too, like, I, I, to this day, don't know who had the issues. No one came to me with any issues. It, it all went through HR and, you know, credit to them for taking care of it and whatnot. But um, so um, that being said, the question, though, that you asked me, yeah, so uh, in June, of course, we had these little flags. Um, they're like... They're like the ones that like a lot of times people will hand out at pride parades. They're just like uh, three by five little flags on a stick. And so we've, we mailed all those out. And so people were putting them on like uh, on their cubes and whatnot, or uh, on like a name tag outside their door or whatever. And so you could walk up and down the halls and see all these flags. And it was wonderful. And to this day, six months later, um, I still have mine up. You know, there's, there's three in my cube bank. There's, you walk down the hall, there's a few more. So people didn't even take them down. They're just like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it and show, you know, as, as a show of support and I'll, I'll leave these up. So, uh, yeah, so we actually had somebody who told, came and told me afterwards that, uh, they took a position here and, uh, the, the reason they decided to work at VHB was because of those flags. And they realized that when we say that we are, um, that it's important, that diversity and inclusion is important to us, it's not just lip service and that we're actually doing something about it. And so the presence of those flags actually inspired this person to, to or I guess was the catalyst for this person. Um, and they turned down a second interview somewhere else and they decided to come work for us because they were like, yep they they're doing it you know it's not just it's not just a like a line on a piece of paper that says like we believe in diversity or whatever that's amazing so, so let's just acknowledge the progress that you made because i'm all about acknowledging progress so it's only been what a year and a half since you've started this you've already correct. attracted talent that you may not have gotten to the company right correct you got all these people just Putting flags up, yep. <laughs> celebrating pride. There's a few people that weren't on board, but that's okay. That's going to happen whether, no matter what you do. Right. Even if right. you have a potluck in the middle of July, people are going to complain. Like, there's going to be people. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> aren't going to like it. So that's what I, that's what I see. Cause I, I always look for the positive. Yeah. I think it's pretty awesome. The stuff that you're doing. And I want to kind of take back, take it back a little bit to that talk that you did at Autodesk University because I thought it was really great the way that you framed it and the way that you made it so simple and easy to understand so I'm going to ask you a couple of the questions that you explained during your presentation because I think it's really valuable for, for people to to just see it that way and hear about the definition so sure. let's just start with the basics so what is the difference between diversity and inclusion yeah, and I'm so glad you asked it that way because there is a difference between them. And, you know, a lot of times people think that they're the same thing uh, because we, the term or the phrase has become diversity and inclusion, but they are different, right? So diversity is what makes us different or unique. Um, you know, it can be visible or, or invisible. Um, so like, you know, uh, whether or not you're a veteran, that's, that's an invisible thing that's different about you. Um, race, for the most part, is visible. Um, you know, gender, now, we, you know, we're talking about the binary and now how that's not a thing and that we have, you know, non-binary um, when it comes to gender. So anyway, so that's the things that make us different. Um, and I think for me, diversity is about like what's, what makes us unique and what 
what are the different perspectives that we can bring to our teams, to conversations, et cetera. Um, inclusion is about like who's involved and who's being respected and heard. Uh, you know, so if we're talking about at the workplace level, it's who's being respected and heard and involved in the organization. Um, and I think, you know, it's important to, to recognize that inclusion is, is necessary. Um, you know, a lot of people will say like, well, we need to, we need to get more diverse. We need to hire more people of color. We need to um, promote more people of color into leadership or uh, women into leadership roles or et cetera, right? So that's we're increasing diversity. But if you ignore the environment in which we're being asked to do this work, um, then you're going to have problems. So it's imperative that we develop inclusive environments so that diverse perspectives can thrive. Um, because otherwise you're going to feel like you don't belong and then you're not going to want to stay and we're going to lose people. Okay. Thank you. Um, and I have another question about definition. So you talked about in your presentation about intersectionality. What does that mean? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I want to just make sure I'm crediting uh, Kimberly Williams Crenshaw is the one that coined this phrase in the, in the eighties. And so intersectionality is, it's like a, it's when you're talking about how multiple um, of your identities kind of combine to create almost like a, a unique form of discrimination, if you will. So when we're talking about um, like a, a black cisgendered woman or black woman, you know, um, you're talking about race and gender um, or myself, like race is not something that is so, you know, for me, uh, usually something that would, I would be discriminated against, but as a woman and as a gay woman, right? So that's intersectionality. Um, so it's like different pieces of yourself that then combine to uh, create this different form. And I think it's it was popularized, it's important to identify that um, I think it was kind of necessary when historically, you know, Black women were kind of left out of the feminist movement and then... It, it was important to recognize that there are ways in which black women can be oppressed that go beyond just being a black person or just being a woman. When those two combine, it changes things. Yes, because if you look at the numbers, because a lot of the research today, the research studies are focused on women, but then there's this other layer. It's like for a women of color, this is the number, and it's always like significantly worse. For right. I think the, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm almost positive the stats from my presentation said that in the engineering industry, I think we were 13% women and like 2% women of color. Yes. So it's really 13% white women when we say that. Yes. And I've had people, I've seen like on social media, people talk about like the women's empowerment movement being like a thing for white women. And it's, not really actually inclusive a lot of the initiatives right. that we've taken and so like just like remembering i think it's really important for us to remember that and like think about that definition in especially when you're looking at yourself and be and being like okay maybe when we're labeling and maybe it's like labeling is a good thing maybe it's a bad thing i'm not totally sure what do you what do you think about that about labels uh yeah. oh god i don't that's like oh that could be a whole separate podcast uh episode um i like for me i don't know i don't i don't i would have to give this one a lot of thought but i will say like i okay part of my growth was around uh this whole discussion around uh gender and when like 
non-binary started coming coming like more into focus and gender non-conforming and i'm like what is all of this? like what does that mean how can you you know i'm i'm in my 30s like i'm not you know i i grew up knowing um knowing that gender was one or the other and then you you learn that like transgender means that you transitioned from one to the other and so then like starting to learn about all these different things, it challenges you. And, and, I, and, I, and I guess I love that, right? I love learning new things. But in the very beginning, you're like, what, is this necessary? Like, that was my first reaction to it. Um, so, you know, but of course now I've come around, right? And I'm like, yeah, no, this makes sense. And the more I learned about it. But, you know, I, I learned, I, I, the reason I brought this up is because I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, so gender non-conforming. I'm like, I guess technically you could label me as that, but I don't use that label. I don't, you know, I don't identify that way, but I got, I'm a woman, but I haven't worn a dress in 15 years. Like I don't, you know, I don't dress in ways that are stereotypically female, if you will. So, you know, but I don't think it's important to label myself as that either. But I also don't want to take it, take, if people feel like they want to, you know, label themselves for any one reason or whatever. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't, I guess. I, I don't know. I'd have to... the nail on the head on what inclusion really means. It's like, <laughs> you are Danielle, like show up. You are welcome here. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty and much. Really like, yeah. just trying to throw out the labels and that's really what it's about. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to throw out the labels, but I think that there's still reason for them. I don't know. I, I, I would want to, this is me being careful and saying, you know, I'd want to do more research on it and, and understand all the different perspectives before I say like, we don't need labels anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't think I know what, I don't think I really know the answer either. And maybe yeah. we'll do another podcast in a year or so when we both learned yeah. more things. And we can Give me some time that. to read about it. <laughs> yes. That's a good idea. Um, okay. So let's talk about culture in business and what that means like from a competitive perspective from a talent management from a talent attraction perspective like why does inclusivity matter yeah absolutely i i think it's make or break for retention um you know i we i talked about this in my presentation and the industry uh again aec architecture engineering construction um our industry is having a really hard time uh, hiring people right now. We have more positions open uh, than we have people to fill them. And I think that, you know, for one, we can't afford to be losing people because of our culture, um, because we don't have a culture where people feel like they belong. And I think, too, that I think our, our like, we can attract more people if our culture changes. So think about it this way. If you are um, a young transgender um kid that's like whatever i don't know what, what age do you start thinking about your career 16 whatever right and you're trying to figure out like what you're going to do with your life like if the engineering industry which as my survey showed zero people responded saying that they were transgender if our industry is not inclusive of transgender people then even if that individual if that young um kid thinks that they might have an interest in this career, they might be like, mm, maybe I should go somewhere else where they're more open to hiring transgender people. And I know that I'm not going to be discriminated against or whatever. So, you know, this industry, if we start to change our culture now, you know, then we can start to like kind of um, 
like scoop up the kids that are trying to figure out where they're going and what they're going to do. So a lot of people like to say, well, we have a, we can't, we, we have such a hard time hiring diverse candidates because we have a pipeline problem. And my answer to that is, well, then do something to change the pipeline, to change you know, the, the people who feel comfortable and safe becoming engineers. And also make it so that people want to stay in engineering as well. So, we, you know, we talked about that statistic where um, the, the Society of Women Engineers um, published last year a statistic saying that like 70% of women will leave the AEC industry before they've been here for 20 years. So that's before like they reach 45 for, you know, on average, women are leaving the industry. And so when we have an industry where we're already having a hard time finding people, we can't afford to be losing 70% of the women that we do have because we don't feel like we belong or, or we don't feel like we're given a fair shot to succeed or to be promoted or whatever. And so let's talk about what we can do to change the culture, to be more inclusive. Where's the best place to start? (laughs) Well, um, I think that I think that the employee resource groups are a good place because it allows for an avenue for um, um, awareness and education and whatnot, and and just kind of getting people like understanding uh, the different the ways that we're all different. and it, it allows for conversations to start. Like you said, people, you know, people showing support during pride and, and that kind of thing. I think it, uh, I think it's a, a unique way where it's not something that's coming down from like corporate, you know, corporate is, is supporting it, but it's clearly something that's uh, an initiative by the employees um, and with the employees in mind. So um, that's one way. I think that, um, uncon- we haven't talked about it much, but the unconscious bias training is imperative um, when it comes to changing the culture. Let's just talk well- about, like, dial it back a bit and just explain, let's talk about what unconscious bias is. Because yeah. I think when you were talking earlier about, like, racism, I think today, like, the more politically correct way to talk about it is bias in that it's, when you say the word bias, it kind of gives you permission to be like, oh, yeah, like there's these things that are just here in society and it doesn't make me a bad person, but I can explore this and decide what to do about it. And I think making the distinction between that bias just exists, like it's just the way that we grew up and like just, it's really about stereotypes. Is that yeah. how you would define it? Yeah, I think that, I think that biases are yeah, definitely stereotypes um, are a big part of that. Um, yeah, so the, the reason they're unconscious is because it's what we were taught. It's what, and not, I'm not saying that your parents sat down necessarily and taught you certain things. It's what you picked up from um, just observing the world around you and the oh, way- Oh, you right? share the example of the um, Alexa and the Siri. How it's a microaggression. The oh, voices. sure. Because I think that's a good way that showing that this, like, that's how we pick stuff up. Yeah, I yeah. I thought that was a brilliant slide. So um, just imagine you're at a presentation and Danielle's trying to explain microaggressions. And I think that's really like the source for unconscious bias. And you explain, and I never thought of this before, but Siri and Alexa, both women, 
Yep. And what do they tell us? What do they teach us about the world, Danielle? Right. Well, well, and it's not just him, right? So they're both, and then like all all of the assistants, all of the all of the all of our technological assistants have female voices by default, and so and so now Apple and Google and everyone has like cemented in all of our brains that women are here to assist us, you know, and you can just like bark orders at a woman and she'll be like, sure, I'll get you whatever you want, you know? And so um, that's like today. Then that's like, that's not anybody's fault. That's not a parent's fault. That is like, literally like everybody has a phone today with one of those assistants built in. And it's just like what we're exposed to in our everyday life that makes us. Yeah. That way we pick up on these things and, and it's subtle. Um, but, and I, and I shared in my presentation that one way we can all fight that is to go into your settings in your phone and change it to a male voice. So mine's currently a British male voice cause I find it soothing, but also, uh, not, you know, I'm not barking orders at a woman every time I want. And I don't, not that I even do that often, but <laughs> when I do tell, uh, Siri to turn my lights off at night, uh, the three that are plugged into the, the outlets that allow me to do that. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm yelling orders at a woman. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Like in the culture, how do we like start with that? So how do we just start to recognize that this bias exists? Um, well, I think, I think, you know, I, I can't speak too much on the, the trainings because I actually haven't gone through one um, because our company is still trying to roll that out. But I, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of work is being done to put together these unconscious bias trainings, and it helps us to see, um, you know, different examples where we are, where it's that fast brain idea where we're just like categorizing and we're making quick assumptions about, about people or things or whatever. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the ways you can do it is through those unconscious bias trainings. Um, another way is actually, um, Harvard has, uh, I want to say it's oh, the I- implicit assessment test that that's yes. it. IAT. Yes. Uh, and, and so those are interesting, um, where you can, what is there like a dozen or 20 or so somewhere between a dozen and 20 yeah, FYI, different Danielle, no offense but i um i believe that women are not as good at science and engineering as men according to the harvard iat test oh well i mean but the, but but like how can we fault you for for thinking that because we've been told that right we've been told that through images that we see all the time if 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 it's a show with an engineer on it, it's probably going to be a white dude, right? And so we have this idea of what it means to be an engineer or or somebody who's good at math or science or whatever. Um, I'm sure I did it. I mean, I think I even took the one on like something having to do with LGBT, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to fail this. I know it. You know, like bias <laughs> around, right? Like, so and I think I, you're bringing a good point. It's that this unconscious bias training, this unconscious bias awareness, it just it humanizes us and mm. lets everybody realize that, you know what, this is a thing that everybody has. This is something that like being alive today, this is part of being human. And but we need to address it. But we need to address it. And yeah. now that I have this awareness, what can I do? Cause I think it's easy to say, it's not me, it's them. And I'm not the problem. Other, somebody else needs to do something about it. But I think having that awareness gives you the permission to be like, you know, 
like I am part of it just as much as everybody else. Right. Right. And And I can do something something and other people can do something too. Right. Um, good question. So like once you're aware of it, what do you do? Um, you know, I think that like if we're bringing it back to the workplace, um, you know, maybe that means, I think there's there's contention around this, but maybe that means putting in some um, diversity hiring quotas and recognizing that if we're not being, um, I think if there's no incentive to do better, then we don't, we don't always do it, right? And so I'm trying to formulate a, a I think I know what you're saying. It, Could I jump in? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like we know, okay, let's own the bias. If we do nothing, this is, is probably going to stay. We're not going to shift the culture. We're not going to shift the right. makeup. But if we put in a goal, a quota, a number for hiring, that allows us to counteract it. So it just mm-hmm. creates that step of like, whoa, let's create some awareness here. And maybe it's not a forced quota. Maybe it's, I know some researchers have talked about just having like a hiring criteria. So if we're going to hire a one job and we normally interview six people, maybe three are women or three are diverse spots and three are not diverse spots. And oh, still, sure. the best person is going to get the job. Like you're not interviewing based on that, but it's like literally the pool. It's, it's a forced pool. And that's one way of doing it. Um, different ways of just, I feel like there's just like a check, just be like, acknowledge if we do nothing, bias is going to happen change is not going to happen. What can we put in place to be like that gut check before we actually make the decision and do whatever the thing is we need to do? Yeah. I mean, I think, but I think part of it too, is we may need to set some numbers. I think like this is, I mean, this is me talking. I don't, um, I'm not representing, you know, VHB in this opinion here, but you know, my opinion is like, I think, I think people get nervous that this is like a zero sum game and that, like if you hire a person of color, you're taking a job away from a white person. Like that's not what this is, you know, (laughs) like it's about giving opportunities to people that historically we haven't um, done a good job of doing. Um, And so I think we need to be, I think we need to get also a little bit creative too about um, like how we word our, our, um, our job descriptions and whatnot when we are looking for new candidates. Um, and I think we need to think more closely about what makes the most ideal candidate. And is it, is it like that they went to a certain school or that they have X amount of years of experience? Cause I mean, I don't think longevity in a position necessarily means that you are an expert on that or you're the best person for this job and it's a and and, and you know we talked a lot about in in that presentation about how diverse perspectives lead to better designs and so you know in my in in my brain i'm thinking well, why why would it be so bad then to say look our our company is 80 something percent white like let's make it a goal to to really shift that and and up the um percentage of people of color so that we can bring different perspectives in and then get better designs and you know get be more innovative because we have different perspectives and it's not just i talk about race a lot because it's i mean i've 
I think you can understand why it's important to me, but I, you know, it's about different perspectives when it comes to ability versus, um, you know, disabilities. And, um, you know, especially with a lot of the work that we do as engineers who are designing how you get from point A to point B. Yes, especially because you're designing things for people, right? right. And you want right. to be, you want to have all kinds exactly. of people Thank you. at the table. <laughs> I love it. You just like you just making it for people. Yes. Different kinds of people contributing to the design and the conversation and the process gives Our, you a better output and product for people. Right. I use. mean, I'm not. We're not my, like especially with what we do. I'm in civil engineering. We aren't designing things that um, have a. Uh, a price tag on it and that only certain classes of people can use. We're designing things that are used by the the poorest to the richest people in the world and and used by everyone. And you know, nothing makes me more angry when than when I'm walking down the street and I'm like, this is not three feet wide, which is ADA, Americans with Disability Act. Like if 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 a if a public way uh, does not have at least three feet of width, then like a person in a wheelchair is not going to be able to get through that. And it, and so limiting movement uh, to people because somebody I totally saw a poster, a, a picture yesterday on Instagram from a shopping mall in Toronto. And it showed like a sign that was showing the directions of where the stores were. And mm -hmm. it was right in the middle of the sidewalk. Killing me. <laughs> right. Killing it's me. like, okay. If there was a, Lots of different people working on that. I don't even know at what point in the, how many people touched that, what needed to happen for that sign to be put there. <laughs> if there was some diversity on that team. Right. right. <laughs> and I think the person that posted it really was a mother with a stroller. Um, mm. So it's not just about, it's that it's about all, but like people right. with disabilities, it was just like, it just think about all the different ways that that makes it difficult. <laughs> people and like nobody saw that until like someone took a picture and posted it on the right 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 so yeah I mean it's 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 I think it's important I do, I do think that uh, I do think that there is some value in um, saying like look we this is our initiative or this is our goal you know I, um, I don't know if you're familiar with lesbians who tech but um, huge organization uh, at least in the U.S., um, and they they um, had do these big conferences throughout the year. It's wonderful, and Leanne Pittsford is in charge of all that. And and you know she was like, "Look, these are my these are my my quotas uh, that we're gonna hit." So she makes I don't know the percentages. I'm probably gonna botch this, but it's like like X percent of the um, of the speakers are um, people of color. Another X percent of the speakers are transgender women or, or transgender people. I don't know if she specifies, but you know, so like, you know, some people are like, well, now you're just, you know, how do you know you're getting the best? And I'm like, well, why are you assuming that you're getting the worst? There's that unconscious bias yes. again, oh, right? Yes. Don't assume that because she hired a person of color or a transgender person that they aren't the best. That you know will, that will get the, that will get people thinking right it's like the role modeling it's the thinking it's like it just it's dark right it's got to start somewhere and right and these people that probably don't have the privilege so they maybe they don't have the exposure that kind of like the typical speaker would get and they're probably going to be amazing they're probably going to be even better right like what if they were even better than right the one that you've already heard of <laughs>
And maybe, and, 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 you know, and maybe, the, and maybe the first time it's not great because who's great the first time they speak. I mean, you know, I wasn't, but like, <laughs> and I'm still not great. Good. Well, I, you know, but so like, I think, you know, like you said, though, I, there is a, we also have to uh, take into consideration that uh, not everyone gets a fair chance at these experiences. And so um a lot of this kind of stuff, you get better the more times you do it and practice it, right? So, um, so but like I think- giving the opportunity, right? It's like we've given opportunities to certain people and just by default, they're getting opportunities. And it's like, okay, if we really want this to be different, we need to open the door and give opportunities to other people. Yeah, absolutely. Like just give the opportunity. Yeah. 100%. I mean, honestly, like there's a part of me that sometimes hates taking up space in this as a white woman. I'm like, do I need to be talking about this? Like, I, I think from like an allyship perspective, yes, but there's tons of women of color that aren't getting the opportunities and that need to be, and we need to be hearing their voices as well, you know? And so, um, like personally, something that I try to do is I try to make sure that where I can, I do give those opportunities and that I shout out the, the people that I've learned from or that have been integral in my life when it comes to um, my growth or opportunities that I've had, you know, so I think that's something that we can do. Um, but I feel like we've gone like slightly off topic with your question, but I hope it yeah. answered it. So, so no, that was great. So let's talk about, let's make us more about you and like celebrating the work that you've done. Cause I think it's important to, I want to just acknowledge that you've done something pretty awesome. Well, thank you. I, pre I do appreciate so, you saying that. <laughs> let's just take a minute. Cause, well, actually, can I take a minute and just celebrate the things that I've seen that you're doing? Please do, because I have a hard time with it. So you'll uh, be better. Everything is a human nature. <laughs> you can't do it for yourself. Um, so number one, you started something. And within less than two years later, you went to a global conference and shared about it that's true i think that's pretty amazing you took a chance you forecasted this diversity initiative which was your pride flags and people called to complain because you didn't order enough also true yes <laughs> and now you're like have this awareness of like opening doors for other people bringing other people on stage and giving finding a platform for other people's voices and yes you're saying oh maybe i shouldn't be doing this but you put yourself out there, you took a risk and you're holding the door open for other people. You're being that role model. I think that's pretty awesome. I hope to, I, I hope that others, you know, and I hope that people know that I'm very open to talking about this as I am with you and helping people to do this as well, you know, so, you know, and anyone listening. <laughs> that yeah. we didn't talk about was this I thought was the most the thing that I was most excited about is that you have your employee resource group that you've started that's doing some awesome things and the thing you told me that I was so excited about was that your CEO is getting curious and yes. I think we talked about culture and culture in organizations starts at the top and I think the impact that you have is like you are just starting and the fact that your CEO is out there learning, asking questions, trying to just figure this out for themselves before they come in and go all in and whatever that looks like, I think that is laying the foundation. It's having the influence for big things to happen at VHB. So that's 
kind of what I see. And that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast, kind of like at the ground level, because you are just getting started and what you've been able to accomplish in less than two years. I think it's pretty amazing. It is. And, and, and I appreciate folks like you, um, helping me see that because it's when you're in the weeds, when you're in it, it can be frustrating. You know, I think I've told you some of the stories where I've ended up, um, where my face was redder than a tomato because I was so angry at certain things and the way they were going. So, you know, it's hard to, um, it's hard to take a step back sometimes when you're so deep in it. And so I appreciate your perspective and, and thank you for that. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, you make an excellent point is that culture does need to come from the top, no matter what happens and we can influence it. And we have a tremendous influence. We have, um, we have our CEO and, um, Carrie, who I mentioned before, who's like the head of people and culture now. Um, so she's they're They're both in our, um, we use Microsoft Teams, but it's like Slack too, if you're not familiar with it. But you know, so we have a group for VHB Ideal that anyone from the company can join and they're both in it. And like every once in a while, I'll get a little blip on my little notification on my screen. It's like, uh, Mike Carragher, who's our CEO, and we're like, Mike Carragher liked your post. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I just forget that oh, I have this like, <laughs> you know, so like, exciting. So, so it's, this is another advantage for you personally, is that like you were getting attention by the CEO, your reputation is growing within the company, you're being seen as a leader. Sure. This is all the positive I, things I'm actually, that I want you to see. I mean, not not to like pat my own back, but no, I mean, I'm actually meeting, uh, this is a very D&I day today. I'm meeting in an hour and a half with Mike and Carrie and some other folks to like talk about the future of, of VHB Ideal. And, wow. and so, it, you know, they have been really supportive, really wonderful and, you know, huge credit to to them. You know, I mentioned, I think in my, I think I mentioned in my presentation at least is, as you know, from that initial launch uh, it came from a CEO communication where he was, they wrote it up and it was like, here's this thing, here's the HBA deal, here's what it is, here's what we're trying to do. So it came from, and it wasn't just this like, oh, here are the cranky millennials that like want to do something different. It was like from the CEO. And then, um, and then, he, you know, they continued to make sure that it was discussed at, um, the local level so when they have an office an all staff meeting in each office you know making sure that the managing director was continuing to talk about it and make people aware of vhb ideal um, at the stockholders meeting last april in front of 300 and something of vhb stockholders um all you know employee were an employee owned but you know taking an hour and a half or two hours out of their meeting um to talk about diversity and inclusion at vhb and to talk about VHB ideal. So okay, I can't... two years, Danielle. All <laughs> of that. <laughs> yes. But I can't I can't like gloss over how important it was to have to have that support from leadership. And so if folks are listening to this at the leadership level, you know, find those passionate people that are excited about this, get them engaged, and then throw your support behind them as much as you can. That would be my I love that. So it's kind of the end of the podcast. And so I want to, that is a great action for people to take. So after learning something new, I always want people to implement it within 24 hours. So that is your action to senior leaders. Is that what you want them to do is find those passionate people and put all of your support behind them? I think, yeah, for, for leadership. Yeah. And I would say, 
if you're not in leadership, like approach your leadership and ask if you can do this. And, and you know, maybe before you do that, and if you're passionate about this, you know, go research places like, um, like I think I was researching at like, like Harvard and MIT, they publish like their ERG stuff on their external facing websites, you know, go, go read up on it, research it and see how, you know, universities are good at this stuff. So go read how they're doing it and see how you can fit it to work inside your company. Cause it's not a, it's not cookie cutter. It's not, it's going to be different for everyone. Cause it's all about where your culture currently is and, and um, you know, and the, the level of support that you have as well from leadership. But getting started. But, so for yeah. leaders, it's about just being like, find being curious, finding the people who are interested and it can help you learn and support you. And for people who are not leaders, it's like doing the, doing the research, preparing yourself and then talking to someone more senior than you to get started. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Danielle. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. And I maybe we'll have another episode in a year to check in <laughs> on how things are going. That'd be great. Awesome. I am so excited to share with you today that Ambitious Every Day is here in the world. It is like having your very own leadership coach in the form of a journal to help you focus and take action towards your goals every single day. It is the coaching exercises that I take my clients through, illustrated by the talented Jill Jackson. So it's a book. There are questions that you ask. It's just like I'm your leadership coach right there in with you, holding your hand, helping you figure out what ambition means to you, helping you set goals and come up with a plan to make them happen. And you can actually get a preview for free by going to andreajensen.com forward slash journal. You can also order your physical copy and it will come to you in the mail, but you can try it for completely free in a PDF right to your inbox. Go to andreajensen.com forward slash journal to get yours today. Hey, if you're still listening to the podcast, if you've made it this far, I would probably assume that you're getting some value out of these weekly podcasts. And I would like to ask you a favor. If you could take a minute to give me a review on iTunes. So click on the podcast, give me some comments, give me some feedback, because that helps spread the word about the Diversity at Work podcast, and it helps to build more diversity champions and get people learning, get people curious about what it's really gonna take to close the gender gap. And after you've done that, if you still have some time, you could take a screenshot of the podcast and post it in your social media. That can help spread the word as well. Thank you so much.